The Phoenix Suns are betting on star power to get them where they want to go. Obviously, that being a championship. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, could the Suns have two of the top five players in the NBA this season? And where does Beal rank? We'll break it down. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. To close out your week, the heat is almost gone if you're a local listener, but wherever you're finding us, appreciate each and every one of you. Hit follow or subscribe. Become an everyday or get locked onto the Suns each and every day of the offseason and beyond. You can also drop a comment in the YouTube comment section down below. We're going on 6,000 subscribers. Really, really appreciate all of you guys. Just give me a straight answer on the question we are answering today. Could the Suns have two top five players in the league this season? And really, that is the easiest way to be a championship contender. So that is an important question, not just a fun thing to rank. Aaron Edwards is here to join us to close out the week as he does every single week. And Aaron, off the top, before we get into Booker and Durant and Beal and kind of where they'll be situated around the league this year, um, do you have any final words? We can have a a 60-second funeral for the Bally Sports era uh, of Phoenix Suns broadcasts. I know know it's near and dear (laughs) to your heart that this, this moment has come. I'm not going to like dance on their grave, but I'm just glad it's over. The logging in, the being signed <laughs> every out, time, the logging in the- again, every time <laughs> you even open the app. Yeah. Yeah. I think that part, like rushing in and being like, oh man, it's a tight game. And just right before halftime and being like, oh, I'm not even logged in. So that's another couple minutes I'm going to miss. Like, I'm not going to miss any of that stuff. Like, I'm just glad it's over. <laughs> I, uh, I I completely agree. I'm excited to. Uh, it's cool too. I mean, I know it's it's like whatever to maybe most diehard Suns fans who listen to this, but like I don't think Gishby is talking out of his you know what when he says like this will increase like a lot more people can watch these games. And I mean, I speak from a perspective of I didn't have cable when I was growing up. Like when they switched over to Fox Sports Arizona, I could not watch the games anymore until I got my my aunt's cable password and then like started watching (laughs) on like my iPod touch and like all this crap that I had to try to finagle uh, to make it happen. So like that, that's real. That's not just kind of him, you know, talking it up to, to make himself look good. Um, Other thing news wise in a similar vein, I'm going to ask you rapid fire here. Where should the G league team, which according to Ishbia and some reports out there will be in Phoenix, where should they play? I mean, I think they should play in Scottsdale, I guess. Like, I don't think they're going to, any of them are going to cross the 17. Like, to me, that's where I, like, grew up. So, I'm going to, like, yeah, I remember when they built the um, the spring training, like, uh, stadium over there for, like, the Milwaukee and the Cubs used to play all the time. And everybody went. Like, we don't, we never got anything, like, in the Maryville, like, Westside area until the stadium. So, like, yeah, I think having people that close to, like, G League games would be fine, but it's going to be in Scottsdale. We should all just be ready for it to be in Scottsdale. (laughs) 
I don't think they'll put it at the Madhouse, even though I've seen, like, uh, obviously that's where they were going to maybe play during COVID, and, like, the Mercury might have played there, and they still, like, the high school championships are there and everything. I just, like, the the NBA is going to go do a tour of that facility and be like, guys, like, come on, it's not a pandemic anymore. We can't be messing with this. Uh, I think they'll play at the at the uh, ASU arena. That would be, at least in year one, if they're trying to fast-track this, that feels yeah. like the most likely situation close enough to Scottsdale where like G League guys aren't NBA rich, but they're, they're they're rich for regular people. So they don't want to have them living uh, outside of where the practice facility is outside of where, you know, the other NBA guys are going to be living. Like you're you're right. That's, that's just the way that it's going to go. We know how this stuff works, but uh, it'll be interesting. It's cool that it's going to be in the Valley. I did. Did you ever go to a game when it was in uh, up North? Oh, no, we, we never okay. made it to a G League game. No. Yeah, it, uh, I only went as media. I definitely did not go as a fan. Um, I just wanted to check it out, I guess. I don't know. Um, it was not much better than the Madhouse, the facility that they <laughs> played in up there. It was just newer. But as far as, like, it felt like a high school gym. So it, anything here, even if it is a pre-existing building, like, it'll be a step up and it'll be more accessible and all that good stuff. So I'm excited for it. But let's get to Booker. I was doing these rankings because there was this uh, this like one of those viral tweets that, you know, the betting companies or whatever those like aggregator accounts always do of like who you who, who are you leaving out of the top 10 and like whatever, because I think it was related to Lillard and LeBron and, and some of the guys in the news uh, of like the league is just stacked. And I think one of the ways that parody like all the different teams being in the finals each year, the past few years and different teams winning it and all that stuff is it's not like it was when it was LeBron clearly number one uh, or Kobe clearly number one or whatever for a long time. It's it, it changes every year. It's pretty much whoever wins the title gets the number one spot these yeah. days. But I was ranking them out and I uh, like genuinely and I, I know we're going to come across as biased, but like I'm not. <laughs> OK, OK. I, I, I legitimately was like I, I wasn't a lock for me to have both of these guys. Number one, and we'll, we will focus on Booker to start. Um, so let, maybe let's put it there in terms of like going into this season, coming off of these playoffs, who would you sort of have like in the big picture of the league as like the better player between Booker and Durant on this, uh, on this team? Uh, you mean like just the top five players that I think are in the league or compared to the team? In the, among all players in the NBA is Booker higher for you or is Durant higher for you? Uh, after what Book did in the playoffs, Book might be closer. I still think Durant is higher just because the doubles he's going to see and just how work like you have to game plan against Book or KD a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I think Book is going to look better just based off of those game plans. But I still yeah. think KD is higher. That's where I came down to. So, but let's start with Booker. Um, Is it crazy to feel like he has a claim to a top five situation based on what he did in the postseason? Because where I kind of came down, and and I do have Durant a little bit above him, but I I have this kind of mix of like Tatum, Davis, Embiid, LeBron, Luka from like five to ten. And you could make the case for any of those guys above any of the rest just in terms of what they've accomplished, injuries, two-way stuff age, whatever, there's always going to be arguments on either side of it. But like, if you told me Book was at the top of that group at five, that's where I kind of came down, at least as 
something you could make the case for because I just think he was, I mean, the shot making alone was all time in that playoff run, let alone the passing, let alone the the steals and, and kind of lockdown defense on Russ and, and different guys. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think right now in this point in time, it, it's not crazy to say that, that he at least has an argument for it. Yeah, I think like in my head, it still just goes Joker, Giannis, Luca, and like Steph. And then like you're kind of figuring stuff out after that. Like you can go AD, you can go book, you can go KD, like stuff like that. But I think the top ones are still just the top ones. Like the- So you have Luca there. Yeah, I have Luca. <laughs> wow. You you you're you're ready to get I mean, like not, I haven't like- talked about Aiden on the show in weeks because I'm trying to avoid the hate. <laughs> You're taking it another level, and we're talking about Luca. That's just a whole other uh, can of I think worms. When, no, I think like yeah, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but I still think whoever ended up with them would have been worried. And I don't think people were worried about us until we got KD. I think mm-hmm. the ability for Luca to like really, really take over and just kind of ruin your game plans by getting his switches and just bodying the guard that you have and getting to the line a lot. I think that's just something that translates over in the playoffs better, which we saw it got ugly because nobody could guard him. So I think just having that in his bag, like it ruins your game plan. And I think like we aren't quite there yet. We'll see with the longer they're together, but yeah, Katie's going to get double books going to be more open, but as far as pounding the rock and usage rates and just ruining a game, I think Luca's still better. So I have the same, uh, I have Giannis Jokic and Steph top three to me. That's, that's pretty, locked in i mean you know everybody has their opinion but to me that that those are the past three champions those are the past three finals mvps they all make their teammates better and and play both ends to some degree like i think that that that's pretty much right there for you but um yeah i feel like your point about luca in terms of he has a lebron like thing about him where the whole game is just played on his terms right like tempo um types of shots that his team is able to get are always going to be really efficient. He's physical. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to get your guys in foul trouble. Like everything sort of is just going to revolve around him. And that's, that, that's like the top of the top in terms of there's very few guys you could say that about. I just have a thing with Luca where I, I don't know how much he makes his team. He, he raises the floor of his team a bunch. Like guys like Reggie Bullock look great yeah. because they're playing with Luca and that's special, but does he does he make the whole entire team? Does he take it to that next level? I, I don't know if he's always had the teammates to be able to prove that one direction or the other. But he also he's not as good as def- on defense as he could be or should be to me. All that stuff. So I do have him a little more in like in the mix rather than a clear tier above that. But let me ask you this question real quick to round us out on Booker: um, What would he have to do for it to feel more locked in that he? is at the top of that group or even like raises himself out of that group to be in kind of his own tier above those guys. Like what, what would this season have to look like for him to do that? I think how it looked at the start of last year before he got hurt. I really think he was on his way. Like he was getting to the line. He was really efficient. He was like, he was kind of taking defense off a little, but it was early in the season. But I think like if he could still play on offense the way he started last season and the way he ended this season, then the defense will always come. We got a really defensive minded coach. I really think just the injuries, like if he comes back just stronger again, because you can tell that was the point of his offseason last year was getting yeah. stronger to get by people and get to the line and body people. And I think just more of that. And yeah, he's up there. 
Yeah, I think he had 30 or more like seven times in the first 25 games, 40 or more three times, and then he had the 51-point game against Chicago where he and Aiton really did look like Shaq and Kobe there for a minute. (laughs) Um, And then the Pelicans game with 58, and then obviously kind of that's when the injuries hit him. Um, So, yeah, maybe it is just that. I do think there's something to be said for you can't really claim your best season being the one that vaults you to where you want to be, even if your efficiency and production are off the charts when you only play the amount of games a booker played. Like, I think there is something to be said for the very best players. They're able to do it 70, 65 games at least at that level. He didn't have the chance to do that because of the weird injury stuff that happened to him and coming back too early and all that stuff. I do think Right when he came back, he did kind of hit the ground running. And then, you know, maybe when when Durant got there, things changed a bit, picked it back up by playoff time. So it it is going to be about consistency and continuity. It is going to be showing that the defensive stuff that he did do in the postseason is at least a version of that is there in the playoffs. Maybe it's just a fourth quarter thing. Maybe it's just a close game thing. But it can't just be, well, Booker's good at defense in the playoffs if you want to be called the best of the best of the best, right? Like that that is just the standard you're going to be held to. Let's talk about Durant, who I think we both agree maybe is a, a little bit above Booker, at least heading into the season. We'll do that after a word from FanDuel. The Diamondbacks already playing here as we uh, are recording first thing in the morning and baseball is in full swing. I love this time of year to get plugged into MLB and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel to get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20 and you'll land $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit that first home run. I love baseball with the first five innings bets. You can do it where you're just looking at starting pitchers and top of the lineup and stuff like that. You're not having to project bullpen breakdowns and whatnot. All of that on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's jump to Kevin Durant, who uh, let me just start here. I think it's an interesting and worthwhile question because we've basically seen two postseasons in a row now for KD where he, his ability to create for himself, be an initiator, dribble the ball up, be the guy with the ball in his hands for heavy stretches of games, it just wasn't there. And that's, that's two. Like I feel like it's fair to say that. You're looking at three playoff series now, and he is older. Everything else about his game is still right where you would want it. I don't think the three-point stuff was was a problem. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, a lot of the other defensive stuff and rebounding and everything was was right where, where you would want to see it. But then sandwiched in between that was like an MVP caliber regular season in Brooklyn, Aaron, where I don't think you would have looked at it and said anything was missing in his game. So there's like the very clear thing that's been a problem for two playoffs, but he was really great in the regular season. He missed some threes. Like it, it is a little bit hard to kind of quantify and measure um, heading into his mid-30s. Do you still think of Durant as if he's healthy, if he's on the court, he is a top five, you know, kind of walking title contender type of guy? Yeah, like I think the the switch and the injuries and never really getting his feet under him like helped with like didn't help. He was getting ripped a lot, his handle was off, like he was getting pushed off of his spot by um 
like Gordon, like Gordon just played really good defense on him and he didn't see doubles. Both Gordons. Like, Both yeah. Gordons did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think like that was probably like the part that was, that seems most fixable. It's like, yeah, like he's still Kevin Durant, he's skinny or whatever, but he's, he's always said like, that's how people have been guarding him since he was in high school, just kind of beat him up and get low and don't let him put the ball on the floor. So I just think like that stuff is kind of fixable and that's kind of where the problems came. So yeah, I, I think he's still Kevin Durant when he's healthy. It's just maybe it should take a little, well, not take a little bit of the load off, but I don't want him to get so comfortable being off ball that he forgets to be Kevin Durant and yeah. make book do way more than well, pretty much do the entire playoff run that we just had. So yeah, yeah. once he gets his feet under him with us and we have like the ball handlers now to kind of help that out, then yeah, he should still be KD. Yeah, and I, I don't exactly like I don't think of it as a negative to adjust what a dude has to do as he gets older, right? Like I, I don't I don't think of that as some sort of big knock or like revelation or like I'm gonna, you know, discount what the player is just because maybe athletically and physically it just doesn't make sense for them to do everything on a court for their team anymore. I mean, LeBron LeBron James is a guy we haven't brought up in the top ten conversation. I think a lot of people would still have him there. But we were spending the whole postseason being like, wow, what a what an awesome thing for the Heat to be able to have Austin Reeves who can take some of the load off. And it wasn't like, okay, now we're going to trash LeBron because he needed somebody to take the load off. So I look at that as, you know, part of what's really great about getting Beal because not only is he going to be able to just be a guy who can have the ball in his hands, make a good decision, do the right thing, get a bucket off of one of those double teams or whatever, <clears throat> but also he's going to take catch and shoot threes if they're there which just yeah. wasn't the case like it was so easy to load up on Durant when you knew okay Chris Paul's theoretically standing in the corner but do we do we care and <laughs> the other guy is Landry Shamit or it's Josh Kogi or it's uh, you know TJ Warren or whatever again do we really care now you're going to have lineups to close games where maybe that's Beal and Eric Gordon right like I mean and, yeah. and you do have to care so I, I I tend to lean the same direction as you where it's like Maybe that is something that Vogel and Kevin Young will have to take into consideration or that Booker and, and Beal will just need to be aware of, of like, hey, you know, it, the dribble, the handle, it's always been freakish that the dude can even do that. <laughs> Maybe he can't do it quite as well as he used to be because, you know, the knees and the feet and everything else, just the ability to get low and drive through guys just isn't going to be there quite as consistently. So let's Let's find out ways to not have to have him do that. But, I mean, on the other hand, if you're looking at what he did in the postseason that I think is promising, as well as the regular season, he was an amazing defender as a rim protector, as a help guy, rebounding. I mean, I know the, the clips of Aiton not fighting for those rebounds have become, like, memes about Aiton. But at the same time, like, the fact that KD was fighting for that stuff at all, even, and yeah. not being pissed at Aiton and just doing it and, and, and winning those, those loose ball battles with bigger guys is, is pretty promising too. Like, I think you can count on him to be, I, I said yesterday on the show, talking about their defense a little bit, I think he's the best defensive player on this team, like at his ceiling. Yeah. I think when Katie's locked in and we have, you pretty much have two rim protectors on the floor because he can still switch. He can still do all that stuff. And it takes a, like a load off of Aiton having to drop back and having guards just coming straight at him full speed, knowing that KD's behind him. And even when he gets has to go out there and guard somebody like Luca on switches, and you just know KD's back there to help on the weak side. Like, I think just having that kind of 
help from a seven footer that can do all the things that KD can do. It's just huge on defense. Even like it's incredible on offense, but it's really huge on defense. And you have more size this year. So you're able to even more kind of like pick and choose. I think when you deploy him as a helper and, and what matchups he really has to exert himself where he's going to be able to, I think sit back and, and analyze like, all right, you know, Kata's good at forcing the guy left or Josh is really good at fighting through screens. So he can kind of be on that back line. And I think trust the front line a little more. Cause again, they've gotten bigger, they've gotten older or at least a little bit in some cases older and, and they just should be more sound defensively where he's not having to like clean up mistakes. I would hope, I think he can just be somebody who adds to the paint protection that they're going to try to have. I think the other part of, of bringing him kind of protecting him or, maximizing him I guess we could say is like I think him at the five is something that they're going to be able to do because of that size and stuff a little bit more easily and that's another way where if you're talking about giving him space not having to have him worry about too much pressure on the ball you know trying to knock it away from him and this and that is yeah it just whether he's it could even be that he's like playing center but still has the ball in his hands and that's just space for him you know like it doesn't have to be that he's setting screens but just in terms of getting more shooting on the court. This is a guy who's still, the past three years after, uh, since coming back from the Achilles, 67% true shooting, 63% true shooting, and 68% true shooting. Like, that. that's, that's. I mean, most guys would dream of, of even touching that in, like, you know, a bench role, and he's doing it as the focal point of great teams. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think he is a, a little bit above Booker. The way that I had it, Aaron, is Giannis Jokic, Steph, Durant, and then that group of, of where you could go. So I do see Duran as a top five guy. I mean, like, yeah, he's right there. It's just the injuries and he missed a lot of time. And it just seemed like we didn't even get to see him play a lot last year. So in my head, it's not really as fresh as it should be. No, it's fair. And it is it is one of those weird things. So I can see why somebody might value Luca because or Tatum I've I think a lot of people would have Tatum right there too and it's it is like it's fair to say let's pick the younger players who like play every game and affect the game on a consistent basis because you know what you're getting there um but I think it's at least reasonable that over the course of this regular season those guys could solidify or even kind of raise their perception whatever yeah. it doesn't really matter how everybody ranks them but it does matter how much they impact to things and you know if we're talking about both guys as mvp candidates i think that tells you the story right like there are yeah. like awards and stuff <laughs> that we can measure this stuff with even if we all argue about it yeah i think having two top 10 players on the same team will make them look top five at times <laughs> yeah. regardless so i think yeah. like it'll even itself out yeah that's a great way to put it all right let's talk about bradley beal where does he kind of stand in all of this i did a breakdown show with mike prada last week i think mike has watched too much wizards and was actually more down on it than uh, i was expecting <laughs> more than like regular people or like uh, national people even are i think uh you know you have the the sickness of watching your own team and being too negative maybe is part of what happened so we'll talk about what beal could look like in this environment how he could kind of raise his stature and more after a quick break All right, coming back, let's talk about Bradley Beal. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to go back, Aaron, and look at um, where we were last year in terms of all these, these ranking lists come out, and I'm trying to see 
where Beal was, but just to start us off, like, what are your kind of expectations for for Beal? I think the way that I've asked it to other people is like there was the really good sidekick next to John Wall, but that was a long time ago. There was the like leading the league in scoring, all NBA guy during the couple of COVID seasons. And then there was the guy the past couple of years where he just looked injured and different and, and off. Where in that kind of like scale do you expect Beal to, to look in this environment on this team? Um, I think it was after we traded for him, I was like, I haven't watched any Wizards games, have I? Like, It was like one of those things where once we got him, I realized I didn't watch any Wizards games. So I was like, I don't know how he looks. I remember that fourth quarter where he went off against us and was getting to the line and all that. And I was yeah. like, oh, Bill can get to the line. He can get by people. And we just... Mikael couldn't stay in front of him and all that. So I was like, that's pretty much where my head went to. If we can just get somebody that like that, that has to do that every once in a while, just a really good heat guy when the starters mm-hmm. have to sit and he can kind of just be a better, like kind of uh, spark plugs to the six man or something, but a starter, I think those are really going to show how useful he is is when, or a book or KD are sitting and it's just a lineup with him and Aiton sometimes. And that's when you get to see that this guy did used to be an all-star and like a star in the league and a max contract player. And I think that's kind of when Vogel's going to be like, all right, go off, go be Bill. And that's what we'll kind of see if he still has those legs under him to kind of turn it on. Yeah. That was the part that, that Mike uh, brought up a lot was, even if you don't think like the actual injuries will continue in terms of missing games, like his thing was the, how much of Beal's game revolves around, like you're talking about the ability to kind of, you know, finish athletically and get to the free throw line or get by his man or kind of those like really quick one dribble, two dribble pull up moves that he's able to do. And that's all predicated on, speed and agility and all that stuff if, if it continues down the track that it's been going I do think you could worry just is he going to be as productive as as effective and, and all that stuff is he really going to be you know the third best player on a championship team type of thing but I, I just have optimism that he's going to be able to play off the ball more that he's going to be able to take more threes and just settle into a role that's frankly easier than what he was having to do, even if those physical things need to be there. So I'm pretty optimistic. I did look um, last year, the ringer had him at 42 by the end of the season uh, in the league. And then uh, preseason, it looks like the CBS is saying they had him 30, but then by the end of the season, they also did like a gradually um, changing thing. And they ended up with him at 46. Yeah. To be I, fair, yeah. all these things are a little weird to me because, like, they ended up at the end of the year with Desmond Bain at 45, and that dude just got a max. So yeah. it just shows how crazy this all is. But what's a realistic kind of benchmark? Could you see Beal getting into the top 30? Is that too high? Is, is him just kind of staying in the same range but maybe getting more efficient and, and playing more winning basketball? Kind of all you want to see, like, I don't know. I mean, this is a dude who was one of the 15 best players in the league like two years ago. I don't think it's crazy to think he could jump back up to there, but I also don't know if he's going to have the opportunities to do it. Yeah, I I think like we'll know more with like the playmaking stuff because 
like I said, with Harden, like Harden still was a really good passer last year, but we're going to find out with Bill, like if he can't get by people, what's his next go-to? Sorry, because I'm having some, trouble connecting to the internet. Because some it people like guard Harden, like they so don't care. <laughs> and like yeah. he can't get by him. And I want to see if Bill's going to fall seconds. into that and have Once to become a better passer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's. I think the thing that I'm looking for the most is just is the is the new environment and the new role going to bring different things out of him? And that that sounds so obvious, but I just I think people are. And the reason I always bring it up on that kind of scale of roles is I think he just has has fluctuated so much of what he's even being asked to do and you know, the environment from a mental standpoint in terms of playing winning basketball, you have to go back even longer to when he was doing any of that. And you could imagine that like minutes wise, he he could be protected more. Like, I just think this, it, it, to me, it's much more of a reset than a continuation. And so it, it feels like all bets are off and I, I keep bringing this up. I just did a show yesterday about super teams and, and adjustments that people do and everything. But I really think, like that Ray Allen from 06, 07 to when he's still like the do everything guy and then goes to Boston and suddenly like taking not even like the back seat, but you're talking about like an SUV, like a minivan <laughs> with a third row is how far behind the other guys that he was. And, and it, it worked. It was important for them to, to win. And he's even smaller than Beal and, and was able to at least be part of a good defense. Right? Like I think, we kind of have to be more imaginative and creative, I think. But to me, I don't I don't necessarily see. I mean, you just it's like it's easy to say, oh, yeah, he could get into the top 30. But then you look and you're just like, I'm on this ringer list. And it's like Desmond Bain, Drew Holiday, Mikhail Bridges, Evan Mobley, Draymond Green, <laughs> Darius Garland, Jaron Jackson. Like, don't I don't know if he's going to be better than those guys. But I think that there's a world where, to your point, bench roll secondary scoring maybe stretches where guys do have injuries stuff like that where you could just there might be two week stretches month-long stretches where you're like damn is brad beal about to get like all-star love here you know what i mean like i think we could have a season like that yeah i think like he's gonna get a lot of open shots and he's never gonna be this single coverage in his life and now when he does get doubled he gets to kick it to book or kd i think it's gonna be really hard for him to not like to have a rough time. Like I think he's going to figure this out pretty quick because this is as good as it's ever going to get for him. Yeah. I mean, you think like if playing fast would go a long way for him too, you know, in terms of easy buckets and stuff like that, I think that will be an emphasis for, for this Suns team. And and last year the wizards were 17th in pace. So there's just going to be a lot of opportunities that weren't there for him to get easy buckets, easy opportunities, not have to exert himself, but still have plenty of, of chances. And, you know, when you're as talented as he is, which I don't think anybody's disagreeing with, it should it should come pretty naturally to you. So that's my hope. I, I think you and I both are on the same page, but I also don't think it's that crazy to say none of us really know what to expect. So, like, the vagueness of it all is is not <laughs> like, well, you know, we don't want to, like, get too far ahead of ourselves. It's like <laughs> the dude's played 90 games the past two years and hasn't been on a winning team since, like, 2018. Yeah, every what time I'm really supposed to say? 
every time I've thrown on a Wizards game, it's been like, oh, Steph has 34 in the third quarter. And I'm all like, oh, man, I want to see Steph get to 50. Like, it's always been something else happening to them that gets you to turn into that channel on League Pass. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, if if we can get more Wizards fans to tell us how he balls and, like, all that stuff. But for the most part, it's one team I know very little little uh, little about. It was the Beal Wizards. <laughs> Yeah, and and I, I that game you talked about, um, I was at and late in the year when the Wizards did come back on the Suns. I think they beat the Suns, right? And yeah, it, it, Gerald Borgay and I from PHNX were like, I texted him and I was like, this dude doesn't want to win anymore, does he? Like, I was really there. Like, I was like depressed <laughs> watching it because I'm like, he has so much talent. Like, what are we doing here? Like, wh- why is he playing so like lackadaisically? And then he turned it on, like you said, and and I literally text Gerald and I'm like, I think he might have like somehow tapped into the vibe in this arena <laughs> and been like, yeah, you thought, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. I don't know. So if he has that fourth quarter over a uh, hundred games, it, uh, including a postseason <laughs> run, I, I think there's a lot there, but it's hard to measure, hard to evaluate. But that will wrap us up for the week. Hit followers, subscribe to get this show in your feed every single weekday through the offseason and beyond becoming every day. We'll be back Monday with Brandon Duane. Yes, maybe more G League news. Hopefully, we're all waiting on that with bated breath. And, of course, more moves. Maybe there will be these trades that we can finally talk about how they affect the Suns, the Western Conference, hierarchy, and all that good stuff. We'll be here for you either way. I'll catch you next week.